Welcome to the Octavius Gould Experience, and I am your host, Octavius Gould. Today's episode is titled Emotional Intelligence. This episode is a game changer for corporate leaders or entrepreneurs who have difficulty controlling and appropriately expressing their emotions while managing interpersonal relationships empathetically. If this is you, it's imperative that you become more coach-like by gaining a greater degree of emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence, or EI? EI is defined as the ability to perceive, understand, use, and handle one's emotions. But it's not as easy as it sounds. Professionals with high emotional intelligence can recognize their own emotions and those of others. These people are normally sharp and on point because they use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior. They are also great at discerning between different feelings and then placing the appropriate labels to those emotions, which allows them to adjust their emotions to adapt to different business or even personal environments. Over the course of my career, I've had to work hard at enhancing my emotional intelligence. Years ago, I didn't even know what it meant. (laughs) I also challenged my listeners and viewers to do the same. Like I said, It's a game changer in a key way in which leaders can differentiate themselves for promotion purposes. For example, decades ago, while as a sales leader at MCI Telecommunications, I sat in a meeting with a senior executive who made a decision to promote a sales professional with lower revenue achievement and experience over a sales professional with much higher revenue achievement, as well as previous management experience. Why? Because the person hitting the big numbers had difficulty keeping their emotions in check and they were a detriment to the business. My friends, according to my research and preparing for this episode, the phrase emotional intelligence has been a topic of discussion in business environments since 1964, which is before I was even born. However, EI gained popularity in 1995 due to the best-selling book titled Emotional Intelligence, written by Daniel Goleman. In his book, Goleman defined EI as the array of skills and characteristics that drive leadership performance. And this is absolutely on point. To many leaders, emotional intelligence refers to the ability to perceive, control, and evaluate emotions. But what I found interesting is that some researchers suggest that emotional intelligence can be learned and strengthened while others claim it's an inborn characteristic. What do you think? Because that's above my pay grade. (laughs) But what I do know is that the best leaders garner higher influence when connecting with team members emotionally. In my opinion, they have great social skills, communicate effectively and manage their emotions to diffuse conflict. I think about a story when I was at MCI. I always like to reference MCI because I had so many sales representatives under me that I was managing and so many stories like this. But I was actually in my office terminating the employment of one of my sales professionals. And he got so angry, he tossed over my desk. And I sat there and I thought for a second, you know, think about it. I was six foot maybe about 2.30 at the time, young, worked out every day. And this gentleman happened to be 5.3, maybe a buck, 50, 150 pounds. And he's thrown over my desk. But I had to remain calm and have self-awareness and manage the situation and understand what was at play. But more importantly, my responsibility as a leader. So I put into practice 
some of the training and development that I had acquired. As I've mentioned in other podcast episodes, I took advantage of every training and development opportunity possible to enhance my core competencies because I knew I needed to get better and I aspired to be much more than a sales manager at that time. And I'm glad I did because once I got into executive sales leadership as a vice president, all of that training came into play. But back to that gentleman, I definitely had to practice emotional intelligence and stay calm and diffuse the conflict and bring it back to a situation where I was able to terminate him without any additional harm being done to my desk or to my office. But I'm quite sure many of you out there, whether you're viewing or listening to this podcast, have similar stories where you had to tap into your emotional intelligence to resolve conflict or avoid situations that would not only put yourself in harm, but jeopardize your position in a company and potentially put that employee at harm as well. My friends, by developing your emotional intelligence, you'll also prevent negative emotions from influencing your decision-making professionally as well as personally. Moreover, emotional intelligent leaders are comfortable demonstrating that they care about the people who they serve because they have balanced egos, self-awareness, and a passion for creating a work environment that is conducive to success. Now, this doesn't mean that a leader or a coach of people can never express displeasure or set folks straight. I had a great coach when I was playing football at the University of Florida back in the 1980s. Larry Kirksey was his name. He went on to coach Emmett Smith, T.O., Jerry Rice, while at the 49ers. And what I loved about Coach Kirksey is that he always maintained balance. At practice, he would instruct me and coach me and develop me. And in the games, when I made mistakes, he would normally come over and explain what I could do better because at the time, I was a freshman playing for him. But there was one particular day in front of 80,000 people, he set me straight. I wasn't performing well. So he yelled at me in front of 80,000 people. Like I said, normally he would be very balanced and calm, but I deserve to feel his wrath. So he just happened to do it in front of 80,000 people. So at times, it may be something that could motivate a person to perform at a level of excellence. But for the most part, you want to have emotional intelligence, a balance between how you handle not only bad things, but good things as well. As a leadership consultant and executive coach who's evolving in our new business world post-pandemic, I'm very committed to furthering the enhancement of my client's emotional intelligence, as well as my own self-regulation. Therefore, I plan to read Daniel Goldman's book that I referenced earlier, as well as other content and material that will allow me to gain better insight into emotional intelligence, because it's not necessarily something that I've worked on extensively. I mentioned I worked on it previously in my career, but that's an ongoing development. We need to be continuous learners and develop skill sets that will take us to the next level in our career. And things such as emotional intelligence happens to be one of those things that we should continuously develop and improve in not only our business lives, but our personal lives, as I mentioned as well. While perusing a few pages of Mr. Goldman's book, 
I did come across Mr. Goldman's five key elements to emotional intelligence. And I'll touch on some of those because I think it's very important to understand the key five drivers of emotional intelligence as it pertains to his theory. Number one, self-awareness. Being a leader who's self-aware is all about recognizing how you feel. More importantly, it's knowing your emotions and how those emotions impact those around you. Not just your direct reports, but your boss, strategic partners, internal customers, as well as external customers. But be careful not to focus solely on your emotions. You want to make sure that you also maintain a balanced ego while enhancing your ability to communicate more effectively. In my opinion, leaders must think before they speak and use pausing techniques to think through matters. Why is this important? I think this will enable you as a leader or someone who's aspiring to be a leader to be more measured. Anytime I am dealing with conflict or any type of situation that is intensifying, I am making sure at all times that I am measured in my words. And this is especially true when resolving conflict. Again, this approach is appropriate in your work life and home life. As a matter of fact, I think over the course of my life, I've used these techniques better in an office environment than on my personal time, especially when driving in this Atlanta traffic. At work, I keep my emotions in check and I would go through all the appropriate steps I learned in various books and training classes. But at home or out in public, it would be like, what you say? So I had to really, as I mentioned before, work on that and understand that the things that we do in the office and all the techniques that we put in place and the training and the reinforcement that we revisit, we have to take that and put it in play in our personal lives as well. We can't just put through tremendous effort at work because we have a boss looking over us or HR or the CEO. At home, we have CEOs too, and normally it's our partners our spouses. And then we have these many CEOs and CTOs and CIOs. That is our kids. So try to work on your emotional intelligence again, not only in your office environment, but your personal lives as well. Number two, self-regulation. What is this? This is the ability to understand and manage your behavior as well as your reactions to things that's happening around you. It encompasses being able to regulate our reactions to intense emotions like anger and excitement. Remember before I talked about having balance, whether it's something good or bad. Leaders must also hold themselves accountable for their actions. So it's mission critical, in my opinion, to remain balanced at all times and calm in any situation. And why is it important to remain calm and have that balance even if things are going well? Because sometimes we get so excited about something that happened at nine o'clock that we lose sight of our priorities throughout the rest of the day. And we're so focused on that one good thing, that one great thing. So just maintain that balance so that you can think through things throughout the course of the day and go through your normal thought process and not have interference come into play. Because in many situations, when leaders are not being effective, it's a result of interference coming into their personal lives or their work lives that's preventing them to stay on track and to maintain focus on their objectives. And that interference is sometimes internal interference 
things that we're dealing with maybe mentally, or it can be external interference, things that are happening at home that we don't really have control over that's preventing us from being laser focused. So the best advice I can give you all on self-regulation is to learn how to stay calm, cool, and collective. Number three, motivation. Motivated leaders usually have smart goals or simply just goals, and they maintain goal-oriented behaviors while coaching their team members to do the same. I think that motivation causes leaders to act in a manner that promotes the achievement of their goals as well as the goals and objectives of the organization. And to reach a greater level of emotional intelligence, leaders must know their why. They can't always be driven by money. To sustain success, leaders must also be passionate about what they do and what they're about, who they want to be and where they want to go. This leads to what I coach my clients on having, which is clarity of purpose. Also, good leaders can stay motivated, but great leaders can also keep their team motivated. This is why I tell the entrepreneurs and executives who I coach to only partner with me if they have a commitment to excellence. They're committed to going from good to great. Number four, empathy. As a leader, you must be empathetic. And if you have empathy, you're able to put yourself in someone else's shoes This trait is even more critical post-pandemic because your employees and team members are dealing with things that we've never faced in our lifetimes. It will build trust within your team and help you develop team members while challenging the stereotypes and unfair assumptions that we deal with day in and day out. Also, in my opinion, leaders who develop interpersonal relationships empathetically are capable of delivering mission critical feedback intelligently and communicate in ways that change behaviors within the work environment. And this results in work environments that are conducive to success. And you'll always hear me talk about creating a work environment that is conducive to success. Because as a leader, if you don't do that, you're going to deal with attrition. And if you're dealing with attrition, you're reducing your chances of creating a profitable organization, whether you're an entrepreneur and you own the business or you're responsible for creating profits for the stakeholders of the organization that employs you. So focus on always creating that environment that's conducive to success. You know, we're still dealing with the great resignation period where employees are leaving for various reasons with number one or the top reason being is that they dislike their boss. They find it detrimental to their mental capacity or their health to work for someone that they dislike or for someone who's not appreciative of the work that they're putting forth or someone who's not giving them recognition that they deserve or someone who's not allowing them to take vacation time when they need it. But more importantly, someone who manages in a way that's not empathetic to the employee's needs. And one way to improve in this area is to focus on creating a work environment with trust and mutual respect as the foundation. As an empathetic leader, practice the art of listening and give employees a voice. And if you do those things, you're going to do what I told you is most important, and that's creating that environment that's conducive to success. Number five, social skills. 
being able to interact well with others is another important aspect of emotional intelligence. Leaders with strong social skills are capable of building meaningful relationships with peers and team members. And this allows them to develop stronger understanding of themselves as well as a stronger understanding of others. I think it's really important if you're a leader or someone who's aspiring to be a leader that you develop all five of these areas because they go hand in hand. You just can't have great social skills and not be a great motivator. You cannot just focus on having greater empathy, but not doing number two, which is self-regulation. And then, you know, you go back to number one. We talked about that earlier Self-awareness, that's something that is really critical in your professional life, but more importantly in your personal lives, because if you are not happy at home, if you are dealing with things in your personal lives, it will filter into your professional life. Take some time to understand what emotional intelligence is all about, because I think some people, when they hear the word emotional intelligence, they immediately put up guards because they think someone's telling them they're not smart or they're stupid. And I don't even like to say that word. My kids years ago used to say, don't say that word stupid. I would never call them stupid, but just Having that word come out of your mouth is something that normally kids will correct you on. But emotional intelligence is a lot deeper and more meaningful than whether or not someone's smart. And before I wrap up, I'm compelled to discuss a question that a friend asked regarding emotional intelligence. Troy Cobb, who was actually a guest on my podcast two weeks ago, asked a question and he said to me, how do you coach on emotional intelligence without employees knowing? This can be tricky because, as I mentioned to you, the phrase alone causes professionals to put up their guards. But my friends, as leaders, we must first lead by example, by developing great working relationships with trust as the foundation, as I mentioned previously. As I also mentioned, we must listen to comprehend and not to respond. And then... We must develop our own self-awareness and refrain from practicing avoidance when there's an opportunity to reduce conflict. And here are a few other suggestions to keep in mind. If you want to coach on emotional intelligence to make sure that you're creating a culture that is conducive to achieving the objectives that you set forth for yourself and the organization, do it up front by interviewing appropriately and asking interview questions to gauge emotional intelligence in a candidate. And that will allow you to build that culture that fosters team unity. And also speak with your job candidates references. Too often professionals and that being leaders, they hire folks and they don't even take the time to speak to the references. And there are ways to do it in a legal manner, but still ascertain if this person has great emotional intelligence or if they will be a detriment to the culture that you're trying to create within your organization. And then also consider assessment tools that are out there, but make sure they're the right tools. Not every assessment tool is great for your environment or what you're trying to create. You can also identify each team member's strengths and weaknesses and then coach to those strengths, but develop the weaknesses. Team building exercises are also effective and can create a fun way to role play to enhance emotional intelligence. 
and then allow team members to have a voice. This will create an environment where they feel a part of the process. And then you can also, as a leader, do things within your office environment that will help your employees manage their stress and constructively express their emotions. I always tell people every conversation is an opportunity to coach. And many leaders complain that they don't have enough time to coach and develop their team members and the people they're responsible for. That's an excuse. We find time for what's important. And coaching and developing your employees is one of the most important responsibilities you have as a leader, whether you're in corporate America or you're an entrepreneur, the business owner of a brand, a product or a service that you put out there in the marketplace. Make the time to coach because you owe it to the people who work for you and who depend on you to get their career to where you're at today. In closing, remember again that every conversation is an opportunity to coach on emotional intelligence or other areas of development, even if it's done informally. Lastly, you can partner with a coach, a trusted advisor like myself or someone else that you may know who can be objective while creating a safe place for your team members. In my opinion, too often organizations throw professionals into a classroom expecting behavioral changes but it takes practice and reinforcement to develop this important skill. My friends, if you covet compelling content on entrepreneurship or leadership, please do me a favor, hit like, share, and subscribe to my podcast today. This will allow you to be alerted to future episodes. Thank you so much. I'll see you on the next episode. Carpe diem.